Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. We are on part two of my interview with Jason England in his private gambling museum. Last week, we focused on gaffes for hustling people in pool halls, bar rooms, and carnivals. This week, we get hands-on with some cheating equipment designed by hustlers for casinos, including one device that was actually used on a casino floor in South America. Nick Lacapo joins me to discuss Impulse by Looch. But first, Mark James joins me for an episode of Desert Island Magic Books. Mark James, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Is this day. it? Are we doing it now? We're doing it Is that now. you starting? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I wonder what that voice was. That's uh, not how you talk. No, no. Uh, I put on a very special radio voice. It's nice. This. It's silky. Uh, oh, it's it's uh, smooth. Uh, uh, the podcast was once described as uh, me rubbing warm chocolate into people's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do that as well. Let's, uh, so here we are for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you get washed up on a desert island tomorrow and you can only have one magic book with you. And don't it's made of like Tyvek, so it doesn't like okay. totally disintegrate. What's your Desert Island magic book? Well, first I want to say, if I'm on a desert island and the only thing I have is a magic book, I'm pretty sad. <laughs> this is not going well. I'm going to pick something big enough that I can sail off this island with. No, I mean, there's a fully stocked Tesco's there, so you'll be able to survive. Tesco? You went English on me. I did. That's very yeah. nice. This is. I listen to a lot of Radio 4. What you need to know is that I hate Tesco. <laughs> what I really want is a Whole Foods or a... Um, you know, some sort of uh, Ralph's or Trader Joe's or that's like the good stuff. Well, uh, my aim with this podcast is to politely annoy every one of my guests. Okay. <laughs> well. So what's your magic book? Okay. So my magic book, uh, I'm, it's easy. I mean, there's no question about it whatsoever. Yeah. My favorite magic book that I ever read, and I love books, mm-hmm. you know, um, is Benson by Starlight. A fantastic book. Yeah, I'm, I'm constantly surprised no one has mentioned that in this segment yet. It's got really? one of it's got one of my favorite uh, Miser's dreams in it. His crystal Miser's dream. Yeah, it is so gorgeous. With the print of the hand and yeah. all that so sort you, of stuff. Yeah, so you can see the hand is empty, yeah. and then there's still coins coming in. What what is it about that book that really speaks to you? I mean, it, it, as a book that you can pick up and see something different in every single time. What's wild about Levent is that, like, I mean, his. I mean, I just finished a, a five-hour Penguin Live lecture, so I'm <laughs> wanting to talk about uh, putting too much information in. But you know, Levent does a DVD on like. Um, billiard balls but it's yeah. every version of the billiard balls you've ever seen yeah. and he actually dresses up like and recreates Cardini's routine and does everything exactly like he would and he uses wooden billiard balls and really goes to the end of the earth mm. so you've got that guy who's got that commitment to finding everything about the trick and you know really publishing all the information and then you've got a guy like Todd Carr who does like all you know incredible research and yeah. people like that you know once you put those people working together you're going to end up with a real treasure trove of just unbelievable information and it just seems to me like that book's got everything you know they say they say like oh so benson was inspired by uh, leipzig mm-hmm. here's every single trick leipzig ever did or you know like uh, benson <laughs> did an act where he dressed up and did this thing a bit like vernon here's vernon's act they just like every avenue mm-hmm. that usually every t- here's what i do right i read wikipedia a lot yeah my favorite thing I, I flick through wikipedia and then you'll see that there's like a little bit that's um that's uh, blue you know you can click on it and that'll mm-hmm. open another article and so what happens is if you look my phone uh, that Safari is like 50 different articles open and they're all from Wikipedia mm-hmm. because I read one and then I, that made me click something else and then when I started reading that one that made me click two other things yeah. and it's just like this rabbit warren of all these different channels you go down and Levent is, turns that into a book yeah. so he says here's Roy Benson and he liked this and here's everything about that and he also liked this and here's everything about that mm-hmm. it's just got so much information but what's really incredible is all of the great photographs that I've never seen before mm-hmm. and there's like this photograph of Benson in 
he was lying on his side on the stage, and he's got this really cool old-fashioned microphone, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time, of course, was not old-fashioned microphone. It was, yeah, it was <laughs> the, 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 it's a very modern, cutting-edge microphone yeah, at the time. Yeah. But now we recognize it as being that old, that almost like radio announcer's half-moon microphone on the yeah. stage. And it looks great. And he's lying on the stage, and he's doing this uh, routine where he's apparently talking to his psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. He's like making all these confessions. And of course, at the time that he did that, it was like a groundbreaking type of performance. You know, he mm-hmm. was really doing something that nobody else, certainly not a magician, mm-hmm. had ever really done before. And um, that photograph, it really speaks to me as like, I like the fact that it's something that looks old-fashioned, mm-hmm. but the person in it is doing something that is groundbreaking and moving forward. And that, that juxtaposition, that um, contradiction of being both simultaneously old-fashioned and modern at the same time is everything about what I try to do in my own performance. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I wear a tweed suit, but I try to keep up to date with the jokes, and I yeah. have a case that looks like it's an old traveler's case, but the stuff that I bring out of it hopefully is surprising and unusual, and so that contradiction is, is really where I think the best of us is. And um, that book's got tons of it in, and it highlights, there's a great picture of Benson doing the billiard balls, mm-hmm. and to me that picture is what a magician should really look like. That is like the quintessential image of mm-hmm. that guy's a magician, and he's wearing a dinner suit, and he looks fantastic, and he's mm-hmm. you know he's really trim, and he looks handsome on stage, and he's wearing this suit, and it's like he's holding the billiard balls, and it's everything about that image just is aspirational to me that's what I want I wish I could be that guy in that photograph doing that trick in that year and everything about it and so I think that book gives you such a complete picture of a performer who is a hero to me who's Roy Benson mm-hmm. and um, it's full of incredible information and I've never picked it up and flicked through it without thinking this, I never read mm-hmm. that before or mm-hmm. I'll tell you how much I like it I used to do cruise ships a lot mm-hmm. that book is big it's a hefty book <laughs> you took Benson by Starlight I on took cruise ben- ships dude I took Benson by Starlight on like 10 cruises with me oh. I I yeah. I left clothing, shoes, props that I needed so that I could take that and use the weight allowance to take that book instead because I knew that on a cruise ship if yeah. I had a week, two weeks that book was always going to be there and it was always going to be interesting I can't think of a better book well thanks so much for sharing that with us we really appreciate it my pleasure thanks to Mark James for that fantastic book it really is worth a read if you can get your hands on a copy now I want to start getting some of you involved in this that's right if you'd like to share your Desert Island Magic book on the show send me a DM on Instagram Instagram at Eric Tate with your Desert Island Magic book and why. I'll arrange phone calls with some of my favorite answers and have you on the show from a responsibly social distance. Now, on to the main event. Last week, we started a conversation with Jason England about some very cool gambling devices. This week, we get to the really cool stuff. Jason England is a recognized expert in gambling scams and cons, and we saved some of the very coolest stuff for part two. Jason shared these devices with me, and now you get to join our conversation. Well, let's move over to the gambling stuff that okay. I know a lot of magicians want to see. And let's start with these poker chips right here that uh, that seem ordinary and, and fair. What, what's going on with these? Okay, so this is a very famous um, piece of cheating apparatus. It's mm-hmm. called a chip cup. And what it is, um, they oh. used to be made out of metal. Yeah. Um, but this one happens to be made out of plastic. In fact, it was 3D printed. Um, this is a 3D printed this chip. This one cup. is 3D printed. I have some older ones that mm-hmm. are made out of metal, and I have some that were actually milled out of plastic yeah. back in the days when you had to do that. This one is 3D printed. And, and was this particular one that you're showing me actually used? This know? one was not. This is actually just a demo set of chips that okay. I had put together 
And in fact, I painted this cup myself okay. um, because it matched the chips that I already had. Oh, they're here on the yeah. poker table. In your exactly. Room. Yeah, these yeah. are these are demo chips. They're not you know these aren't poker chips from a casino or anything like that. But they are a good quality chip. In fact, they're almost a dollar a piece. So getting a set of a thousand of these things, yeah, not not know, cheap. It's not yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, these are not Walmart or you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, target uh, kind of poker chips. These things are pricey. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, a good set will put you back about a grand. Mm -hmm. um, and so what a chip cup is, is it's a Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. And it allows you, instead of sneaking the soldiers into the gates mm -hmm. uh, of the fortress, it allows you to sneak the soldiers out of the gates of the fortress. And by soldiers, I mean all the money in the chip tray. Yeah. So it is... Um, it's utilized with a dealer that's in on the scam, okay? So this mm -hmm. is not something you walk up to a table and you do on your own. The dealer has to be in on this, all right? Mm -hmm. So it's called a dealer agent scam. The agent is the person that walks in from outside. Mm -hmm. The dealer, of course, is the dealer. Mm -hmm. So in this particular dealer agent scam, I walk up to the table and I've got some chips. Mm -hmm. And I've got my chip cup, which looks exactly like a stack of $25 okay yeah, it's, it's five reds glued mm. together it's what it's supposed to look like yeah it's actually a trojan horse and mm. we can put regular chips inside it they go right mm. up in the bottom of it and it's a really close tolerance too i mean because oh, that, yeah. and and the other the other interesting thing about it is that they're not square it, it is uh like the the Majority of the cavity is is perfectly round, but then the top is sort of offset a little yes, bit. Yes, and that's so done that it, on yeah. purpose to look like a you know. If yeah. I just stick a stack of chips out there, yeah. it's not going to be perfectly up and down. But it also hides the fact that the the actual like shell of the cu chip cup itself like has to be slightly larger than the actual chip. So it's yes. it's a visual disparity that's covered very well. Yeah, yeah. It's so uh, it's um, it's an example of. Uh, an imperfection mm -hmm. that convinces. Yes. And we understand this concept from magic. You know, yeah. What is the off by one principle? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. the that's the imperfection that convinces you that this situation was, was real or yeah. happened the way we say it happened. So this, this is the little imperfection that mm -hmm. convinces. Um, so anyway, I bet the chip cup. It's mm -hmm. empty when I bet it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say we're playing blackjack. I put it out on the betting circle. I'm the only person at the table. Again, you're in on this. Mm -hmm. So I bet it. And you deal me a hand of blackjack. And yeah. One of two things is going to happen. If I win, great. So you pay me 25 bucks of real money. And I take that money and I put it in my pile. Mm -hmm. And we just leave the chip cup sitting out there. Mm -hmm. And we play again. So eventually, I'm going to lose a hand. Mm -hmm. And now you pick up the empty chip cup that, again, looks like a stack of five red. Yeah. And you pretend to put it in the stack of five uh, red chips in your chip tray, but mm -hmm. then you actually hide it in your hand and you load $100 chips or $25 chips mm -hmm. up inside it, okay? So that's mm -hmm. when it becomes loaded with yeah. chips. So now you've got like uh, the world's most expensive nickels to dimes. So. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, there are uh, stories that the person that invented this may have been inspired by nickels to dimes. Really? And he saw it at a magic shop and said... I can do that with chips. Mm -hmm. We have no way of proving that story or disproving that story, but that is the story, that this was invented by someone <laughs> who was familiar with nickels to dimes. Uh, and that's exactly, the, yeah. uh, for those of you that aren't seeing a visual here, yeah. that's exactly what you should think of. It's a nickels yeah. to dimes type shell, yeah. except in casino chips. Uh, so now it's sitting in your chip tray and it's loaded up with $400 inside. Mm -hmm. How do I get it back? Well, there's two ways. I can just continue to play the game until I win a hand, mm -hmm. in which case you will pay me with the chip cup that's now loaded up. 
Mm-hmm. Or if I need it back faster, I can just ask for change. So I tossed 25 bucks out on the layout and I said, Neither, give me some change. Give, mm-hmm. me, uh, give me some red. Mm-hmm. And you reach in, you hand me the chip cup right back. Mm-hmm. But it's not just my chip cup. It's got $400 now hidden inside it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do this over and over again. This little choreography of bet the cup. Mm-hmm. Take the money when it wins, load it up when it loses, and give it right mm-hmm. back to me, either by uh, naturally me winning a hand or by me requesting it back uh, via change. But you were telling me earlier that the the one problem with this game is that you frequently look like the guy who's like asking for change all the time, which is super annoying. And there was some other interesting like methodologies where if you had another partner next to you and you both lost, you could cover the chip cup that way? Well, that helps you load it. Yeah. So if I'm betting $25 a hand, you know, with these stacks of apparently red mm-hmm. chips, uh, my partner sitting to my left could actually be betting much bigger amounts of money. So mm-hmm. they might be betting uh, a stack of um, a stack of 25. You know, mm-hmm. they, they may have $100 out there in, tw- in green chips mm-hmm. every time. And so now whenever the dealer uh, beats us both, you know, like I stood on 17, you stood on 16 and the dealer drew out to 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the dealer beat both of us, it's very natural for the dealer to collect the chips from their left to their right mm-hmm. and actually load the cup up that way. So they don't have to fake and load the, the cup up in their rack. Mm-hmm. And that might be difficult to visualize unless you have a chip tray in front of you and you yeah. get to play with this. But basically there's a couple of things you can do yeah. to facilitate the loading uh, process and to facilitate giving the chip cup back to me mm-hmm. without it looking like I'm asking for change constantly. And the other interesting thing is how I think that magicians sort of have this image in their head of uh, gambling apparatuses being very finely and perfectly made, whereas like this one, uh, while it does look great, it's it's if you get up real close, you could definitely tell that it was a that there's something off. Yeah, there's but, something off about but it. But yeah. so you were telling me like if but from I mean I'm sitting two and a half feet away from it and it looks amazing. And so all you're having to do is fool the guy walking by or the eye in the sky, which is so far away that it can't see exactly. any of those imperfections. And you also have to understand that the time period of this device. I actually think you could use this to this day to make money. Yeah. If you were careful and you had some cheating dealer that mm-hmm. wanted to get it on with mm-hmm. a chip cup. And you went in and you used it for five minutes mm-hmm. once a week to get a couple hundred dollars and get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. I think this device would actually still work today. Mm-hmm. But it was invented in the early 70s. In 1972, mm-hmm. the big chips cup scam hit mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles or hit Las Vegas. It was actually reported as far away as the the front page of the LA Times wow. covered it. I actually have the original newspapers mm-hmm. in the other room that talk about the $400,000 that these cheaters won. Which is no small amount of money in the, in the 70s. Yeah, 1972 yeah. money. You're talking about a million dollars today. Yeah. Easy. And they won it in some preposterously short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't one night or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. But it was uh, like within a week or so, they had just, they had stolen every chip in the place practically. Um, a, another massive chip cup scam hit a South African casino in mm. the 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's actually video footage of that because wow. cameras existed by then. Yeah. You know, casino cameras were around in the 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember exactly when it hit. but mm-hmm. uh, So there's actually footage of the South African chip cup scam. Um, so, yeah, this is one of the few devices that I think you could actually get into a casino mm-hmm. these days. And if you were careful and yeah. only did it a couple of times a week or whatever, uh, or maybe did it once mm-hmm. all night long and then never showed your face in that 
uh, you know, <laughs> casino ever again, yeah. it would probably still work because you're right. It doesn't have to beat someone who's looking for it. It just has to beat that eye in the sky operator yeah. who's been sitting up there for seven and a half hours. He or she mm-hmm. is sleepy. And they're just watching some people on a camera play blackjack. Apparently. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, we're not going to do this at the thousand dollar level. No. I'm not going to have a chip cup painted up to look like five thousand dollars in chips mm-hmm. because they watch those games very closely. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be at a regular blackjack table yeah. where a twenty five dollar bet's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and there's other things that you could do. So imagine mm-hmm. it's fight night in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and you're at the MGM Grand or you're at the Bellagio or yeah. something like that. And you get a crew of people to lock up a whole table mm-hmm. all night long. Yeah. And so um, they're betting table minimum, but they're just filling up seats until the whole table's locked up. And then out comes the chip cup. They dump the rack to the whole table now because now yeah. anyone could get the cup back. Yeah. You know, so anyone that wins is going to get the cup back right away. And you would just absolutely Man. dump a rack to people. And the, the guy in the eye in the sky booth, yeah. he's trying to watch 5,000 people in the building all at the same time. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, there's no way that you would pick this off unless you just noticed all the money was gone and then went back and very carefully looked at everybody Mm -hmm. and really understood the choreography that you were looking for. It's a, it's an amazingly simple device that is really beautiful and and magicians can learn so much from everything that's going on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. It's actually one of my favorite things to demonstrate to people Mm -hmm. because it it does have that sort of James Bond gadgety cool factor thing going. Um, and, uh, you know, people that aren't magicians at all that see this in my gambling talks sometimes, yeah. they just go crazy over this because yeah. it is such, I mean, for such a low yeah. tech device, you know, it's it's 25 cents worth of 3D printed plastic mm-hmm. and some paint and it yeah. looks great. By the way, uh, if you ever want to make a chip cup, I'll mm-hmm. give you a cool little secret. Yeah. How do you get the paint right? So that looks pretty good, as that you've re- already said. Actually, yeah, that does good. look good. It didn't occur to me that that, I don't know. How do you get the paint right? You do- take that chip right there to Home Depot and you say, my wife loves <laughs> these colors and she's going to do our entire living room in these colors. Yeah. Would you use your paint software to scan these colors and tell me exactly what shades these are? And then would you mix this paint for me? Mm-hmm. And they'll do it. They have a yeah. computer at every the, Home Depot and Lowe's in the world that they can scan a, a single pixel from one of these colors. Yeah. And they can go, yeah, this uh, computer says if I mix these two greens together, you'll get the shade you're after. Uh, That's all I did. Before I worked in Magic, I was working in a plastics manufacturing company. And that machine's called a photospectrometer. So I used to use them all the time. Yeah. And it just occurred to me right now as you're saying this, like Home Depot is the best place to match colors for any yeah. This, All this is is house paint. I just painted this cup with house. I painted it myself. That's a more valuable secret yeah. on this podcast. I, I shouldn't be putting this out for free. That's yeah, that's an amazing go. secret. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we're running out of time here, but there is one more device on the table that you showed me that is arguably one of the coolest gambling things I've ever seen. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Impulse from Looch. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studios to talk about this incredibly direct mind reading with cards. Nick, we have this uh, really cool-looking project coming out called Impulse. It's uh, it's put it's we put it out with a, a guy by the name of Looch. Yeah, you don't know Looch? No, I don't. I think this was filmed like right before I came on board with. That's Penguin. right. That's right. Looch is one of my favorite medalists. Lives in England. Uh, he, 
man, is he good. I, he, every time he comes here, he's been to Penguin a few times, mm-hmm. and he always crushes the show. He's just yeah. one of those solid, solid performers, and all of his material is, is reflects that. I was excited because when he came, he had this idea for a project, and I was I was all in. I'm like, hell yeah, this is a, what a great idea. So what was the project about? Impulse is Luch's approach to mentalism using a Mark deck of cards. Oh man, I love me some Mark cards. Yeah, but you know, most mentalists have you know a thing maybe about using playing cards uh, in walk around, right? Like, yeah. You know, th- not Luch. Luch. Um, He's, what he's done is he's created five effects on this project that are unlike any Mark Deck trick you've maybe traditionally seen. Uh, one of my favorites on there is an effect, I believe it's called the Reaper. Uh, oh, is this the one you showed me yesterday? Yeah. So, oh, God, man, this thing, is, it's really awesome. Real quick. this And this is the trick. This is the effect. It's the spectators shuffling the deck. They shuffle the deck. They name any card. You don't touch the deck until they hand you the card, until they've already named it and shuffled, right? And then all you do is deal the cards down in their hand. They say stop, and they stay. They stop right on the the selected card. That's it. I mean, yeah. direct. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, what mm-hmm. you, you saw it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, knowing that it's a marked deck. I like had some ideas on sure, how it worked, sure. but even then, like I can tell that Luch has got a ton of work here that's really important because if you didn't know the work that he's done to get that. You, you wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. So the rest of the tricks are all just as clever. Yeah. All just different ways of looking at a Mark deck and uh, presentations. Uh, he uses uh, some like b- business cards. There's some Mark deck tricks with business cards on there and pseudo memorized deck stuff. So, I mean, I, I believe it comes with a Mark deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that right now, but I don't see why it's not going to come with a Mark deck when it when it is released. Because as when we're talking right now, it's on the verge of coming out. Yeah. So, uh, but... Get it if you if you do any Mark Deck stuff. There's no reason to uh, not get this. It'd be a great download, great watch. It's a great great project by Luch. That was Impulse, available now at PenguinMagic.com. And on a personal note, I really love the Reaper effect. It is super cool. And after recording this with Nick, I watched the instructions, and I'm sure to be putting it in my show. Now back to my conversation with Jason England. So uh, we're running out of time here, but there is one more device on the table that you showed me that is arguably one of the coolest gambling things I've ever seen, and it's this dealing shoe right here. Okay, yeah. So um, so I like this device because it is similar to things that magicians may have heard of before, mm-hmm. but it, it, it does operate differently, uh, just differently enough to be... Uh, it's not quite unique. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I told you earlier there's two of these in the world. I actually know of three because mm-hmm. I forgot about the prototype. Okay. Um, so the prototype of this device is in a private collection in Texas. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine who is a magician that everyone would recognize if mm-hmm. I said his name, but yeah. I don't know if he wants people to know he owns it, so I no, won't say fair, his name. Fair enough. Um, and so what this is, is uh, it's a Baccarat shoe. And so mm-hmm. imagine a, a blackjack shoe that you would see on a blackjack table in mm-hmm. any casino in the world. Uh, but blackjack shoes usually are six deck shoes. Yeah, so it's a little shorter. And the other thing is that what we're looking at here is it's clear on th- three sides, yep. and then and then it's uh, got the traditional sort of like colored plate over the face. Yes. Yeah. So it looks just like a blackjack shoe. It's actually a little bit larger than a blackjack shoe. Uh, Baccarat shoe will hold eight decks. I don't have eight decks in here just for demonstration purposes, mm-hmm. but this will hold eight decks of cards. Most blackjack shoes top out at six decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a few eight deck shoes at, uh, at blackjack. This also has a lid on it, which you usually don't see in blackjack, but is very common in the game of Baccarat. Does the lid also serve as the paddle that gets frequently used, or is that uh, just, no, a, just it, a feature of a Baccarat it just, shoe? Just 
looks like that. It's mm-hmm. it's actually the lid is on there as a protection device just to keep the edges mm-hmm. of the cards from being readable from up top. Gotcha. Uh, a couple of other things that you can do if there's not a lid on mm-hmm. a blackjack shoe. Uh, so anyway, so if I were to hand you this mm-hmm. and tell you to take it home mm-hmm. and examine it mm-hmm. and play baccarat with this. Uh, for the next 20 years, there's an excellent chance you'd never figure out what it does no. because it is not obvious at all. But some people, some magicians are probably familiar with a second dealing blackjack shoe. Yeah, and they usually have a prism built in just underneath the face plate mm-hmm. of the shoe. And if you slide the top card up, which you're not supposed to do when you're dealing normally, mm-hmm. but if you slide that top card up, it will fit into a little microscopic slot that's the width of just one playing card. Yeah. The, the face of the card presses against the prism and the prism will essentially reflect the value of that card to you so that you can see what it is. And now you have a choice. You can either deal that card if mm-hmm. it's the one you want or you can take a chance and deal the second card out from under that. Yeah. You don't know what that second card is, but you know, you've, got, uh, you've got two chances here. So this is also a prism shoe. Uh, however, the prism is not underneath the faceplate yeah. like those blackjack shoes. Because yeah. you showed it to me and you told me it was a prism shoe. And then I was looking in all the wrong places yeah. to, for, for it. So what's cool about this is uh, you mentioned a second ago that yeah. it's clear on three sides. Well, yeah. it also has a clear floor. Yeah. The floor of the shoe is made out of clear plexiglass. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and it's about 11 or 12 inches long. Mm-hmm. And the entire floor of the shoe is the prism which is it's really wild to look at because you can see directly through it not a problem and then you kind of look at the edges and you're like oh well it's sort of glued together yeah but it's uh it's only viewable from the back yes so from the back of the shoe um for you and it's Mm. i I don't actually have great vision so it's hard for me to see this the lighting has to be good it's got to be bright in the room Mm. but what these guys would do is they would get some guy or girl who had just fighter pilot vision oh yeah somebody that uh you know ted williams kind of vision they could see the stitches turning on the baseball they'd find somebody with unbelievable vision like that and those people can actually say now even with my bad vision i'm sitting you know i'm sitting two and a half feet away from the back of this shoe Mm -hmm. and i can look in and i see this little ghostly reflection of the index of the top card even though the top card is three feet away from me Mm -hmm. and it's really cool and it's hard to describe i'll let you try to you know yeah i'll see if i can take a picture of it a picture of it you can actually photograph this because i've seen it in photograph before so it it will it will come out in a photo um pretty nicely Uh, but one of the crazy things about this is that the dealer doesn't have to be in on this no so in a in a standard two shoe a Mm -hmm. blackjack second dealing shoe the dealer's doing everything they're peeking the top card they're dealing the seconds and all that with this device you can actually give this to a legitimate dealer who Mm -hmm. doesn't know they have it and they're dealing normally uh and yet this shoe is still able to separate mm-hmm. the top card. So that's something you probably haven't thought about yet. No. How is it breaking that top card off so that it can see it? No idea. Yeah, because if you think about just a bunch of decks of cards leaning yeah. to the side, yeah. the top card when, of the shoe is still sitting on top of the card underneath it. So yeah. how is it doing that? Because when, when you look at it, you can clearly see the index. And the other neat thing is that if you sort of shift your head from left to right, you can either see the index on the right or the left. Yeah, so there's and, a couple and, of different viewing yeah. angles. And when because yeah. a lot of casino cards are four indexed cards. Yep. And so how, 
actually, so how is it lifting that? Yeah, off? Because, I figured that one. <laughs> no, because when you look at it, it looks totally legit and normal on the side where I can see the cards mm-hmm. laying at the normal angle. And then the, the front card is, it's a little lower, but... Right. So I can show you what's going on. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll have to take a couple of cards out. We don't need all of them. Yeah. Um, so normally what happens... Um, is if you just take a deck of cards and you sort of lean it in a shoe, yeah. this top card is flush with the card underneath it and there's yeah. nothing that you can see. Yeah. Well, what's happening here is notice the faceplate of this shoe it's is low. bigger than it needs to be. Yeah. So what's happening is in a, in a normal two shoe, it's bigger than it needs to be because you're sliding the top card up into the peak position. It's going backwards. It's going down. Exactly. This one is that top card is sliding downwards and mm-hmm. it's actually coming off to about here mm-hmm. and then it's stopping by friction and gravity yeah and that's where the uh, prism the floor plate mm-hmm. is picking this uh, image up from right here and transmitting it all the way to the back of the shoe yeah and then when this card is dealt out the next one just sort of naturally slides down into the right position. And it yeah. doesn't work every time if yeah. you dealt through 100 cards here. Yeah. I'd miss some of them because mm-hmm. it just wouldn't slide down into the proper yeah. position. But I would get enough of them to show a profit. Yeah. And that's all that these guys care about, it is, of course. It is a really, really wild-looking... It's it's a Architecturally, it's a beautiful shoe. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, just, someone's a genius. Yeah. I don't know who built this thing, uh, but somebody's yeah. a genius. Uh, I do yeah. know that... the uh, So there's three of these in the world that mm-hmm. I'm aware of that, mm-hmm. that could be a dozen for all I know, but there's three that I'm aware of. I've never heard of anybody having one other than me mm-hmm. uh, and this uh, friend of mine in Texas that yeah. has the prototype. Um, so I have the other two. Uh, yeah. There's another one in the closet. Mm-hmm. This one... Um, works better mm-hmm. but it looks worse mm-hmm. uh, because what happens is yeah, these, why, why does it look a little rough it's because it was broken on purpose uh, so this shoe was taken to a casino in South America both of them were yeah. taken to casinos in or a casino in South America they were used uh, they won a couple of railroad cars worth of money to hear them tell the story mm-hmm. and then when they brought those shoes back into the US they actually broke them on purpose mm-hmm. so that um, uh, customs or immigration or whoever they were worried about would not be able to uh, examine this and piece it back together and figure out what was going on. That so that was crazy. the story I was told. Uh, yeah. I actually bought this, uh, both of these shoes mm-hmm. from a guy who's still alive and mm-hmm. he is in the Nevada Black Book. Okay. And I'm talking about the real Black Book yeah. maintained by the state of Nevada, not yeah. the Griffin Book, which anybody no. could be in the Griffin Book. No, the one that the state of Nevada is like, no. you, you, you're not allowed you on. You can't go into a casino. casino. Yes. Yeah. It, the actual name is the List of Excluded Persons. <laughs> And so the person that sold me both yeah. of these shoes, he is in the list of excluded persons. He's mm-hmm. in the real Nevada Black Book. He's still alive to this mm-hmm. day. Um, and uh, real nice guy. He's the one that told me the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I got no reason to not believe yeah, him. I, yeah, I, he, he was always super upfront with me. He yeah. sold me a bunch of stuff that he no longer had any use for. Yeah. Um, he never tried to exaggerate the abilities of any of these devices. In fact, if anything, he would often say, hey, this didn't work as well as we wanted it to. You know, yeah. so he would often downplay yeah. the success of some of these things. But it's just such a cool device. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so he sold it to me in parts. It wasn't together. <laughs> oh, so you, you had to reassemble so this. So I had someone reassemble it for oh, me. Man. I had someone that understands how to put these things back together. Mm-hmm. And we, um, so I guess the originally, like these little trim pieces on the side, these mm-hmm. are not original. Those were made by mm-hmm. this craftsman. Um, that uh, I guess they refer to them as like gingerbread or, mm-hmm. or whatever. They just, uh, they're just the little plastic trim pieces. Yeah. So these are not original. And I think the roller, uh, which is the big triangular piece that yeah, rolled, it's a it slightly behind. different color red yeah, than some of the is, other pieces. It, it is not original. So what yeah. was remaining, uh, and I don't remember if the lid was original or not. But yeah. anyway, uh, the faceplate was real. Uh, the walls, the floor, the mm-hmm. back, that's all original. Obviously, the prism is original. Um, uh, the base plate prism is original. Mm-hmm. And it had to be glued back together. And unfortunately, um, when you when you glue these things initially, they glue nice and clear. Yeah. But once you snap them apart again, yeah. you can never get that it, that clarity back. It alters the crystal and structure and exactly. the polycarbonate that's made out of. Exactly. So it looks like it's glued together. And yeah. I'm, and I'm sure it didn't look like that when they no. were using it. But it does look like it's been glued together. Uh, and that's okay because, yeah. like I said, I'm not planning on putting it into action. No. It's just a pretty demo piece for me. And it is a very, very cool device. Yeah, really cool. So this yeah. one uh, works the best. The mm-hmm. one in my closet actually looks better, but mm-hmm. the prism doesn't function as well. It's much harder to read, mm-hmm. although it does work. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's one of the cool uh, gaff shoes. I think I've got ten different gaffed shoes yeah. in my collection, and this is. One of the most oh, yeah. interesting. I've things. never heard of anything like this before. So, really neat. Well, Jason, thanks so much for having us into the, your gambling museum, and thanks for sharing yeah, these no with problem. us on the podcast. And uh, I hope there's so much cool stuff in here. Hopefully, the next time Penguin comes to Vegas, we can come back and do this again. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun to do the the next uh, I don't know how <laughs> many we did here, five or six items. Oh yeah, It'd be fun to do the next five. And oh. you know, I've got uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of things in here that appeal mm. to magicians because of the cool oh, yeah. factor. And I've got stuff in here that would only appeal to gamblers because yeah. the gambler only cares if it works. They don't yeah. care how neat it is. Yeah. You know, so yeah. You showed me a, a cool you showed me a broken piece of something that was only gamblers would like, but yeah, it's man is it cool. Of dollars. Yeah. It's a broken piece of something that yeah. has won millions of dollars. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's the stuff yeah. that magicians go, yeah, whatever. I know about that. <laughs> What yeah. they don't know about is uh, like that's what the real cheaters yeah. would go. Yep, that's the thing. Give me yeah. one of those. You know. So. All right. Well, to see you next time. All right. See you. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks to Jason England for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. On the show next week is a fantastic interview. Author of The Totally Out of Control, the creator of Three Fly, and executive producer for David Copperfield, Chris Kenner joins me on the show. We go way back and talk about some of his early work and some behind the scenes on the production of The Magic Zine, The Magic Man Examiner. This is an episode you are not going to want to miss, and I really appreciate Chris taking the time out of his busy schedule to have a chat with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from some of you in the future about your Desert Island Magic books. I'd love to get some submissions from you on some other segments that we've done, like your top five under five, or maybe you've got a layperson who can tell me about their favorite magic tricks for Muggles on Magic. The Penguin Magic Podcast is here to bring you interviews with some of your favorite magicians, but I'd love it if this can be a platform for all of you as well. You can send me your submissions by building secret codes into your Animal Crossings village, or you can send me a PM on Instagram to my handle at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. Remember, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to subscribe on your podcast app of choice and share your favorite episodes on the social media that you are using to social distance. 
from me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, wash your hands.